Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, a show where we discuss trends, pop culture, and the unsung heroes of the industry, because at the end of the day, everything is an ad. I am Luz Corona, Adweek Community Editor, and here to my proverbial right, as Shannon would say, is my co-host, Rebecca Stewart, our Europe Brand Editor. How are you, Bex? Hey Liz, I'm good. I wish I was to your real right and that we were recording together maybe one day. <laughs> one day. I know. We got to we got to really do it up. Have like a a UK edition. So, fingers crossed there. <laughs> but um for today, we have another exciting episode. We welcome back our buddy Kyle O'Brien, agency's reporter and editor of Agency Spy as he's writing a really great article that we are excited um to talk about today. Kyle, how are you? I'm great. Thanks. Oh, that radio voice. Man, we got to get some recordings there. <laughs> and our special guest today is Katie Elder, head of client service at Public Inc. To also discuss today's topic, Katie, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's nice to meet all of you. Nice to meet you, too. Um, so we're particularly excited about today's topic because I feel like it's it's kind of a big one. You know, we talked about um, ECDs a couple of episodes back, and today is being released another article on an important role in the industry, and Kyle wrote this piece about account directors um, and account managers. So, Kyle, do you want to kind of give us a little lowdown on what readers can expect from your piece and kind of maybe any findings that surprised you about the role today? Sure. Well, this is part of a series that we're uh, I've been doing um, on the C-suite, and then it's kind of extended uh, to to other roles in the agency world. And so uh, I think a lot of uh, people may know account directors, account managers, whatever they're called. I know, Katie, you obviously have a, a, a different title. And so there are many titles that go into, but basically being a head of, a head of accounts. And so I, I think a lot of people don't know really what account people do, they, even probably in the agency world. And so I really wanted to talk to a lot of people and Katie was very nice to be one of them to uh, to discuss what a good account director does or what you know what what the role entails and also what goes into making someone uh, you know really great in that role and how they can grow into that role so uh, it, it's what the what this is is just really a kind of a, an overall study of who the account uh, directors account managers uh, account leads are uh, in the agency world and Katie, you're um, you know you're head of client service at Purpose Driven Agency Public Inc. 
And, you know, one of the quotes that you said in the article was that you speak clients' language and you understand their business and you kind of advocate for them. Can you tell me a little bit about what the role of like an account director means to you um, and what are some of the ultimate qualities that you guys would kind of embody for clients? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Well, I feel very fortunate that I got to spend um, the beginning of my career working with really incredible agency teams. Um, So I think that set a really high bar for me, working with folks, for example, from the broader gray network around the world when I was at Procter & Gamble. um, I had really, really um, smart, attentive, um, awesome people working on my businesses over the years. And so I think as I transitioned into um, agency world, that really set the bar for me in terms of the type of client service and uh, support that I wanted to, to provide for, for my clients. So that's that's the background that I come to the role with. Um, and in terms of, of speaking client language, uh, I think that's really a really important part of any time we start working with a new client is really understanding how they speak. Uh, and I think that's, you know, that's what makes um, successful advertising at the end of the day is that we understand enough about the people that we're talking to so that we can speak to them their, in their own language. So whether that's thinking about kind of our end product or thinking about how we're working with our clients, I think it is does come from that level of understanding that you have um, of them and you can, you know, use use a common language to uh, to discuss their business and then what you need to achieve together Um with whatever you happen to be working on um, with that specific client. For public, we really do focus on social impact and sustainability-related um, campaigns um, and and program work. It's so important to have that voice, isn't it? Sorry, Liz. It's, it's so important to have that voice in there, like on behalf of the client, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Like So part of the um, account role that's so critical in an agency is translating the client needs back to the creative team and back to the other folks um, in the agency. Uh, And so that's where understanding the client language and the client side of things, but then knowing if you need to then translate it into a different way or whether it's terminology or approach um, as you're working with with the internal team and really helping ensure that information flows smoothly from the client and then uh, to the rest of the team. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kyle. We're also eager to <laughs> chime in here. Kyle, go for it before I well, ask. I, I think it, well, you know what's uh, I found really interesting was that in talking to a lot of the uh, people like yourself, how uh, uh, much this job entails. I mean, you really have to wear multiple hats, multiple days. Uh, you know, every day you have to you, you're constantly back and forth between the client, between the agency. You kind of have to you have to be everything to everyone. Is that is that an accurate description? I do think that's I do think that's fair. Uh, you do need to be a bit of a generalist, I think, to be good at this role and understand enough about the rest of the agency operations to know when you can uh, speak to something and when you need to bring other folks in. So you really need to know like what you don't know in terms of when to like defer to other people, but have that view across everything. Um, the interesting thing as you're as we talk about like the account role and the one of the pieces at public that's different is that we we also have a strategy 
uh, lends to the work that we do as well. So we don't have a separate strategy team. And so that's also part of the account role that we hold at public is to, uh, to be actually holding the pen on our, on our strategy work, um, with the team. So it is very, it is very integrated. Um, and it does require folks who have the flexibility to jump from a meeting where you might be talking about strategy on a client to then reviewing organic growth opportunities, uh, you know, the next, in the next meeting. Katie, I'm so curious, um, just because I I was agency side for a bit before this, uh, for about like 10 years, and I just saw so much. And there's, you know, the, the first goal, the most important goal is keep clients happy, right? Like make sure like we are there to advocate on behalf of the client, you know, that it's their work. But there are a lot of challenges in today's landscape compared to where it was like 10 years ago. You know, you've got like emerging tech, you've got, um, you know, turnover in the industry, the economy is getting hit. So, I mean, what are some of the biggest challenges you've seen um, throughout your your career in this specific sector of the industry? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think everything that you mentioned is definitely um, all, it's all relevant and it's, it all creates challenges. I think from my perspective uh, and the like the type of work that we do, one of the things that's a challenge for us is um, helping clients really understand how to approach um, social issues and the level of nuance and understanding that's required and when it's appropriate for a team to speak on an issue or to tackle a specific issue and when you need to defer to experts and people with lived experience. Um, and I think that's that's one of the challenges that um, we we face and help clients navigate um, is, is when they do need to get like external um, support on things or make sure that they have the right people at the table. So one of the things that... Um, you know, we'll, we'll say sometimes is, and it, this comes from, from folks in the disability community is not to talk about us without us. Um, so it's about having the right people at the table, um, to have appropriate conversations. Um, so in addition to emerging technology and the challenges that we face from an economic perspective, social issues and the level of, of sophistication and sensitivity that you need to take as you're working on, um, those types of issues also requires kind of a different level of of thinking and a and a different skill set um, in terms of how to approach. Mm-hmm. And that's something kind of marketers across the board are definitely having to think about. And I've got a question for you both, Kyle. Maybe you could take the lead. But what were some of the biggest kind of misconceptions about the role that you uncovered, Kyle? Um, I I think it's not knowing everything that that gets done. Uh, it, it, they're not necessarily misconceptions. I guess I guess you know people think accountant they think they think more sales and kind of handholding than anything else. And it really it's it's just such a big combination of uh, of coordination of of knowing what the client needs, knowing what the agency is capable of. And then of course, champion great work. I mean, uh, you know, the creative department has a huge role in this and the account people need to be championing this great work all the time and be a part of it. Really, they really be a part of the creative process. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand is that, that the good account person is needed to champion this great work to get it out there to make sure ideas don't die in the vine. 
Mm. And Katie, any myths you want to bust while we're on the topic? <laughs> uh, well, I think one of the things that we touched on earlier was around uh, was around like the client side and and making keeping clients happy or making clients happy, and that's obviously a very important part of of our role. I think one of the things, and it's also it's related to what Kyle just mentioned in terms of getting great work out into the world, but it's really it's understanding. Um, how to like build trusted relationships with clients so that you know when you can really help them to maybe have a bit more courage and take a bit more of a risk on um, a maybe a specific type of creative that they wouldn't normally be comfortable with. Uh, so I think that you know it, there may be this misconception of it's it's really just you know doing exactly what you think will make the clients happy. I think there is a balance of helping them sometimes get out of their comfort zone if you think that there's a really compelling opportunity that that they should be taking advantage of. And so it is that balance that Kyle was talking to about being that champion for, for great work and then using your relationships to help um, to get great work out into the world. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure, I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Katie, I love that because what I'm hearing is like you don't always have to be a, a yes, you know, a yes team, you know, and if, if they're hesitant, you kind of prove more rationale and, and all that. So I, I love that you guys, you know, kind of stick to recommendations. Um, you know, something I'm curious about, uh, especially in terms of working with clients and everything and um you know, this is this is a tough sector. Like, you really have to have, like, thick skin and be business-minded. You know, there's really great tips in Kyle's piece. Um, how can folks working in client services today kind of balance, like, home and work life? Because, you know, I feel like pre-pandemic, we were all answering emails at 9 p.m., 10 p.m., you know, whenever we were on our phones. And that still might be the case today, but I don't think it's as frequent. So do you have any advice on how people can kind of establish those boundaries while still delivering on this role? That is a great question. Um I mean, I think it's probably, it will probably sound a bit cliche, but I think it comes down to having boundaries and then also like communicating them and also setting expectations up front. Um, I think that, you know, I feel very fortunate, um, that I work with like fabulous, um, roster of clients who are also really nice people, um, who have families and lives outside of work as well. And so I think there's, a good understanding uh, when people are honest about, you know, needing to, you know, leave at a certain time or, or having like other things um, 
that they're working towards. And I think that's um, like there's a human um, element in terms of of building into timelines um, and things so that you can account for for move, being able to move at a sustainable pace, um, which isn't always possible. But then, you know, having the ability to then flex up when you need to um, for for tight deadlines. Um, so, yeah, I think it really just comes to it comes to setting expectations and um you know, making sure that you have, like, you've got a bit of, um, flexibility as well. I don't know if I, I feel like I'm kind of like dancing around it more than directly (laughs) question because it is, it is definitely a tough one. I mean, I think of, I think of, we put, uh, in our email signatures, which we actually took from one of our clients that like our work hours might look different than yours. And so, you know, don't feel like you need to respond um, to this email, but there is, of course, in a, in a, in a client role, you know, you feel like you, you know, you want to be able to respond in a, in a really timely manner. Um, and so it's just, I think really about kind of putting those boundaries into place and, and clearly communicating, um, expectations around like availabilities and, and deadlines and what's going to be required. Yeah, I think I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head there because everybody's going to have a different answer. And know you have to be cautious <laughs> because this is your job. Um, but I think the human element of it all, right? Like it's got to be every everyone is human at the end of the day. Everyone has like a, a life outside of work. So I think you you hit the nail on the head with like just kind of giving clear expectations, being communicative and and just kind of being there, but also letting them know when you may not be available or, or something like that. So I think that makes total sense. Yeah, definitely. And in terms of like where this role is going in the future, Katie, I'm keen to talk to you about, you know, the kind of people and skills that you look for when you're hiring um, into your team. That's a great question. One of the main things that we look for when we're hiring folks is a natural curiosity. Uh, And so in interviews, the most important part of the interview is typically the questions that people ask have they done research? Have they seen clients that we're working on and campaigns that we've done that they're really interested in? Um, Are they genuinely curious about what it's going to be like to work at the agency? Um, That's really, for me, in an interview setting where people can really set themselves apart is is with those questions. And that really comes down to that level of curiosity uh, because then you know in in a client uh, situation, that those are the folks who aren't going to be afraid to hold back if they need to ask a clarifying question um, or to really find out um, a bit more information that we know then will be really helpful for the creative team. Um, so it's really that that genuine curiosity, I think, is really important. Um, and that's something that I think you can nurture in people a little bit, but I do think that that's a very innate thing that, that, people, um, that people can have. Uh, so we definitely look for for that. Uh, and then communication overall. And I mean, it links back with the previous question around being able to manage multiple priorities and timelines and, um, expectations with folks. So being able to communicate very clearly, um, in general, but as it relates to, to priorities. Um, and then, um, for me personally, one of the things that I'm always interested in, um, for folks is, you know, their ability to handle, um, and, and their approach to, frankly, how they handle lots of information and research. Uh, and so in our, um, 
in many of our campaigns, we start with like an issue area um, identification, um, insights uh, process. And so we're looking for folks who can come in and tackle a very broad issue and then be able to distill that down to uh, what the what the important insights are out of that information. So someone who's had either whether it's like quantitative or qualitative analysis in the past and just understand how they think about structuring their approach to to dealing with a lot of information because we need to get down to the really um, salient uh, points at the end of it. Yeah, it's such a unique skill set and it kind of comes back to this idea of, you know, you guys being like the Swiss army knife um, in the agency and I think those insights are actually super helpful for anyone who's listening and might want to go down this path. Yeah, for sure. And Kyle, I I have a I have a question for you, but you know what? I see you trying to chime in. So go for it. <laughs> what were you going to say? Well, kind of continuing on what Katie was talking about. I, I mean, what uh, what kind of backgrounds are you looking for in these people? I you have you have uh, you know both brand and agency side background. What what are you looking for, and what would you suggest to someone who is just coming into this this world and and how they can maybe land a job? And you gave some obviously some great uh, tips there, but um, what what are you looking for other than you know, what you discussed. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we look at uh, for um, public is people who have had exposure to social impact work in the past. And that could be through direct work experience, or it can also be through volunteer experience. But we want to see really a demonstrated uh, commitment to a social impact area uh, because that is so important to the work that we do. So that's something that we, that we value, but again, it can be, that can be achieved in, in many different ways. And oftentimes we'll have folks who are applying to public who, uh, want to transition into a, uh, into a career that is more focused on social impact or sustainability. Uh, and they have been exploring whether it's, uh, volunteer opportunities or board opportunities to get that to get that type of um, exposure. Um, but otherwise, we have a very wide range of people um, at public, whether it's people who have anthropology backgrounds, social science backgrounds, uh, sustainability, uh, education, there's really a full range of, of different types of, of people who, who come in. And then we're really looking more for those like behaviors, qualities, and characteristics that are going to make them successful in the role versus a specific type of work experience. I love that because I, I think, I mean, we've seen in the industry how beneficial it is um, to have just people from different d- backgrounds and diverse like experiences. So I love that you guys are, it's very forward thinking, um, that approach. So um, my last question is is for Kyle, actually. Kyle, I'm curious because um, you've re- this is a series, as you mentioned before, you've covered a couple of these roles, these critical roles in the industry, ECD, you know, a, a few C-suite positions. Is there like a, a common denominator or a common challenge or something that you found across these pieces that um, that struck you as interesting? Uh, absolutely. And it's uh, leading with empathy. Uh, I think at every level, uh, the best people that I've talked to uh, in these uh, have have been empathetic. You know, they really understand people. They really uh, they're 
they listen, they know their teams, uh, and they, they react accordingly. They let them have lives outside of work. Even, even if, you know, there's a demanding week, then they, you know, they, they give them a break. They, they, they just understand people and they understand how, how they tick and they're, they're very empathetic to, uh, to their needs. Uh, and, and that goes for the client level too. And especially, uh, you know, in the account, uh, you, you have to know your clients and you have to, you have to feel for them as well. And so it's, uh, I think that's the one thing that's really gone across all these is that the best, uh, the best leaders out there lead with empathy. I love that, Kyle. And I think empathy is just a key skill for any marketer, any professional um, nowadays. And I'm loving this series. I can't wait to read the next one. And hopefully we can have you and your radio voice on again to talk about it. Absolutely. And thank you. <laughs> And thank you so much, Katie, for joining us. It's been great to hear about your role and just pick your brain a little bit. So thanks. Yeah, thank you both. Yeah, thanks, Bags. Thanks so much for having me. And thanks at home for listening. Thank you for listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by me, Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Ahrens and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGivney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening.